0: So if you have your Bibles, want to join us in Genesis 15, our primary text is verse 5 and 6, in the first true dialogue that Abraham has with God. God has assured him that he will—he shouldn't fear because he's going to be with him. He's going to be his exceeding great reward. And it's almost like Abraham is like, um, Lord, while I've got your attention, <laughs> could I ask you about something? And he says, you know, I have no son. I have no heir. And God then speaks to him in verse 5, and bring, he says, Come outside and look toward the heavens. Number the stars if, if you can. So shall your seed be or become. And he believed the Lord it says in verse 6. And then look at the result. And he counted it to him as righteousness. It is difficult, I think, to overstate the importance of this text for a church, for the gospel. Dr. James Boyce, who pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia his whole life, a highly respected scholar and pastor, says that this text, verse 6 particularly, is not only the most important verse in the Old Testament, but possibly in the entire Bible, most important in the whole Bible. Martin Luther, after whom the Lutheran Church was named, said that the teaching of being right with God by faith, not works, was the chief article or doctrine on which the church either stands or falls. It exists based on this doctrine or it can't exist at all. And you... Martin Luther, the 16th century reformer, not Martin Luther King, the civil rights leader of this past century, but Martin Luther, a Catholic priest in the 16th century, uh, protested against the works message of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm I'm just giving you some historical background. And in the medieval church, and so far as I know, they really haven't changed that much, but in the medieval, middle-ages, Roman Catholic church, um, they said and they taught that it was righteousness we become right with God by faith plus works, mostly works. You had to take pilgrimages, that is you could travel to Rome and get certain merits before God. Uh, You could travel to other places and view relics, such as pieces of the cross. They said they had pieces of the cross. And if you travel and see this, then they will grant you certain indulgences. And indulgences themselves was you could pay money and uh, pay for your sin. How do you get right with God? Well, uh, give us uh, X amount of dollars for X amount of sins. In fact, you could even pay ahead. if you Like if you were, you had it in your mind, you're going to be it. Do a pretty big sin. One story I heard was that they, uh, this uh, one guy came to his priest, his local priest, said, "I, I'm going to rob a man." So the priest said, "All right, it'll be this much money to pay for that sin." He paid the money, and then he robbed the priest. Um, You could be baptized for remission of sins. When you confessed, you had to find a priest to confess. You didn't confess to God, you confessed to a priest. Uh, You had to attend Mass constantly. You had to have celibacy in the priesthood. Luther protested. That's where we get our word Protestant. All of us are Protestants. Luther protested against this. In fact, he even said, I protest this celibacy as if it's merit before God. And he went out to prove that he was protesting it. And he asked a nun to marry him. That's what you call two birds with one stone. Which she did. But he had to sneak her out of the monastery or the nunnery, where where she was, in a beer barrel. Those were the days. And then when all is said and done, you still, in this Middle Ages theology, you weren't sure, but they said, okay, what you do now, after you've done all that, is you go to purgatory. And in purgatory, you will be purged, so that your unrighteousness becomes a finished work, And this teaching divided the Protestants from the Catholics. It is the great historical divide. Every denomination came out of that from the Roman Catholic Church at that time. Protestants, everybody is under the Protestant umbrella. Methodists, Baptists, Pentecostals, Charismatic, uh, Nazarene Church, anything you can think of. They all come out of that umbrella of protestant. We protest against that. Because we, they say it's not faith plus works. It is faith in Christ alone. How to be right with God. Is that not the greatest question you can ask? So we're going to look here at how Abraham was right with God. He believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So let's just first of all say he was righteous by faith, not by works. He he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. Romans 3.22, Paul makes this point in in the third chapter of Romans, the righteousness of God, Romans 3.22 comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then Paul, in defending how we become righteous through Christ, in chapter 4, the entire fourth chapter of Romans, you should read this later, the fourth chapter of Romans is about how God made Abraham righteous. And he quotes Genesis 15. Listen to what he says in Romans 4.1. This is Paul writing. What shall we say was obtained by Abraham, our forefather? For if he was justified or made righteous by works, he had something to boast about. What does the scripture say? Referring to the scripture here in Genesis 15 6. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Paul uses Abraham as his illustration of how a New Testament Christian is converted. And made right with God. Now let's look at this word "counted." It's the first time it's used in the Old Testament. It's used often afterwards. The Hebrew word "hashab," "hashab." Um, I have a I have a computer program, and and I love this thing because. It'll take a word, uh, the, a Hebrew word or a Greek word in the New Testament, and it'll give you every single reference where that word is used uh, in the whole Bible. So I looked up every single reference. This word counted in verse 6. He counted it to him as righteousness in Genesis fifteen six. A shop. He counted it. Uh, I looked up every single reference where that word is used. And I'll just have to uh, summarize it for you. But basically, let me give you a, a, an instance in Genesis. Genesis thirty-eight fifteen. When Judah, this is Abraham's great-grandson. When Judah saw her, he thought there's Hashab, he counted her as a prostitute for she had covered her face. Now she wasn't a prostitute, she was his daughter-in-law. But where she was sitting and how she looked, he counted her as a prostitute, Hashab. 1 Samuel 1.13. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, who had not had children at this point, went to the temple to pray. 1 Samuel 1.13. Hannah was speaking in her heart. She was praying for a child. And her lips were moving. And Eli, the high priest, took her, Hashab, as drunk. He said, hey, you need to get out of here. We don't want drunk women in here. She said, I'm not drunk. I'm praying. But notice, he viewed her. He categorized her as drunk. Here's one other. Psalm forty-four, twenty-two. 22. Uh, David said, for your sake, O Lord, we are killed all day long, and we are counted or regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So, those are just some instances of count. And, and here's what it tells us. In every case, people, this word is used, people are counted as something they are not. Hello? Hello? Abraham was not righteous. In fact, his greatest sins are in front of him. But he was counted righteous because he believed the Lord. Judah saw her, he counted her a prostitute, but she wasn't. Now here's something else and I want to with a follow up on this. When they were counted as such, they were treated as such. Judah saw her and thought, counted, regarded her as a prostitute, then he had sex with her. Hannah was thought to be a drunk, so Eli. Told her to get out. He thought she was. He regarded her as drunk. David was counted. As sheep to be slaughtered. So he said. Our people are killed all day long. When you are counted as something. Even though you're not that. You are treated as that. Now. Here's the beauty of this verse. You can be counted righteous, though you are not. But if God counts you as righteous, He will treat you as righteous. Which means you will be blessed because God counted you as righteous. But I, I'm unworthy. I haven't prayed like I should. I haven't given money like I should. I haven't been as humble as I should. Hush. I don't want to hear about what you are saying about yourself. I want to hear what God has decreed about you, what he has declared from heaven about you. I want to hear how God counts and regards you because that's how God is going to treat you. That, my friend, is the gospel that split history in two and it also determined the fact that we are here today and the fact that we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And and, uh, listen at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin, talking about Christ, who knew no sin. See, he counted him as unrighteous. He counted him as sinful. And he treated him as sinful. Amen? That's why he was crucified. He treated him as sinful because he was counted as sinful. It says he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So his Righteousness is transferred to me. My sinfulness is transferred to him. He was treated as sinful that I might be treated as righteous. So when I die, God's going to treat me as the righteous. I have believed the Lord and God has counted it, hashab, to me as righteousness. In every case where they were counted as something that they were not, they were then treated as something that they were counted. Hashab is often used as being the opposite of what you're counted. For example, Proverbs seventeen twenty-eight: Even a fool, when he's silent, can be counted wise. <laughs> Hashab. He, he can be regarded. You know, that guy, he never says anything. I think he's very wise. He's counted as wise. But then one day he talks. You're like, uh, I thought he was wise, but I'll just listen to him say a couple of things and nope. See, he's, counted as something, is the opposite. A fool, if he's quiet, is regarded or counted hashab as wise. And here's, listen at this one. I've just, I've just brought these down to a few, a half a dozen so you get the idea. And I, I don't want to belabor it, but I'll give you this one more. We have to. Isaiah 53.3 Speaking of Christ, how he was despised and rejected by men A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one whom men would hide their faces. He was despised. That's what they thought of him. He was a criminal hanging on a cross. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. We did not regard him as anything. Hashab. we did not esteem him. This was Christ. Now, I know that there's a possibility of abuse of this doctrine. Justification by faith alone. I know that. And I, I will just, I don't want to take away with one hand what I'm giving with the other. But I want to I just make this statement and we'll move on from it. There's a difference in justification that is righteousness by faith and sanctification. And that's where the confusion comes in. There, when you are counted righteous through faith in Christ, you are righteous. You'll never add to it, nor will you take from it, because it's not your righteousness. It was given to you as a gift from Christ. But there is sanctification. That is the internalizing of the work of God by the Holy Spirit whereby your desires are changed and your character is changed over time. That's holiness. But justification and sanctification are two different things. So I'll just put that out there for you so you won't think I'm preaching heresy. It, it is subject to abuse and it has been and that's why that a lot of people don't like it. They, they're uncomfortable with it. So we've seen that righteousness or right standing with God is counted to you when you believe his promises like Abraham. Uh, now listen at this verse. Romans 4, 23, quoting Genesis fifteen six. The words, Paul writes, it was counted to him, was not written for his sake alone. It wasn't for Abraham's sake alone. But notice... But for ours also it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. This story of Abraham in Genesis 15 and 6, Paul distinctly says that's not just about Abraham. It's about us who believe God and who believe and trust in Christ. All right, let's wrap it up with one other issue, the object of his faith. What did Abraham believe or who did he believe? We go back to Genesis 15, 5 and 6. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, number the stars if you can, so shall your seed, singular, not seeds, plural, But so shall your seed be or become. And he believed the Lord. What did Abraham believe? I I really didn't see this until just a few months ago and came to understand it based on what Paul has said. In Genesis, in uh, Galatians three, sixteen. Let me read this verse. But can you, yeah? Who is this seed? Galatians three, sixteen. Paul again quoting this episode with Abraham. To Abraham and his seed or offspring were the promises made. He did not say, and to seeds plural, or offsprings, plural. Now, notice how Paul puts it. But, he says, uh, he did not say, and to seeds, as if it were many, but as of one, your seed, which is Christ. That's incredible. So, let's... Based on what Paul, how Paul interprets it, in Genesis 15 and 5, God said, Abraham, look toward heaven, see the number of the stars. And he said, so shall your seed, singular, become. In other words, he's speaking of Christ, according to Paul in Galatians 3, 16, He says, so shall your seed, a descendant from your body. Now, it has to include Isaac, but it's not just Isaac. He's subordinate. It's basically God showed him what that there would be a seed, a Messiah. And this seed would multiply like the stars of heaven. He would have followers that you cannot count. Those stars are us. Shining in the darkness of the world. And God showed Abraham the results of what he's going to do through him. It's going to include a physical seed. But he's also talking about that physical seed which would culminate in the the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is a direct descendant of the bloodline to Abraham. And he said, that seed is going to become like the stars of heaven in followers, in multitudes. He's speaking of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the seed that would become like that. So says Paul in Galatians 3.16. Now, I just want to take a little moment, a little parenthesis here, and point out something That Paul does, and that is he stakes an entire interpretation of a major passage on a singular rather than a plural noun. Seed, not seeds. Leaves out an S. Are you, and and sometimes we forget how the details of Scripture are inspired of God these little tiny details. Uh, If I were going to say that after our wonderful meal today, we're going to give you dessert. Or if I said I'm going to give you desert (laughs) and I bring you a bowl of sand do you know that the difference is simply an S? The presence or absence of an S in desert or desert? Paul says it's a difference in seed or seeds. God showed Abraham a seed, singular, not seeds, plural. I had a, 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 a heard a story of a man whose wife, Wanted to go to New York City for the first time. She wanted to just go shopping, and uh, and so he said, "All right, you can you can spend a certain amount of money." And they discussed it, and and he said, "But don't go crazy." So she went with some of her friends. They went to New York City, and they were shopping, and she came across this gorgeous bracelet, and she said, oh, "I've just got to have." That is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So she texted her husband, honey, please, please let me buy this bracelet. And he texted back, no price too high. She said, yes. And she bought it and got home. And they got the bill. And he blew up. She said, You told me I could buy it. He said, No, I didn't. I said, No, price too high. She looked at her phone and said, There's no comma there. <laughs> One little detail. See? You should have made it clear. Th- this is the way the Holy Scripture is given. A plural or a singular, a comma or a jot or a tittle. Oh, don't you love the Word of God? And I tell you on the basis of this inerrant and infallible Word of God, we have a message that God says we're righteous by looking at the seed. Just like Abraham did way back in Genesis. So a summary we would say is this. Abraham believed what God promised about a future seed, speaking of Christ according to Paul. That this seed would come and fulfill the promises God had made. That he would come through Abraham, be a descendant of Abraham. Abraham got a glimpse of Jesus Christ and what would become of the kingdom of God. He glimpsed the church shining in the dark night of the world. And when he believed it, God regarded him and counted him as righteous. And in the same way, God, the Holy Spirit calls us to to see the incredible kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. That's where. The light is. That that's where the beauty is. That that's where the glory is. An atheist. Some time ago. Put out a pamphlet. In Philadelphia. And it mocked. Men. Like Abraham. They said if God is real. Why would he. Connect with Abraham. Why would he be in fellowship with Abraham. Abraham. Why would God make a big deal out of Abraham? How could he have a relationship with him? And Jesus answers the atheist. In John 8, 56. When he said to the Jews, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. Saw it. And he was so glad. He saw it. Abraham saw the days of the Christ. He didn't have the full knowledge we have, but when he saw it, he believed it. God counted it to him as righteousness. And it says, he saw it and was there's your joy today my friend this morning after I preached this message in the early service a precious older gentleman came up I had announced baptism next Sunday and he's he'd been coming a few weeks had never put his faith in Christ never been baptized and he said, uh, Pastor, I want to be baptized. And I said, I called him by name, and I said, isn't, isn't this the most wonderful news that a sinner could hear? Isn't this just beyond expression? And uh, the most beautiful Smile I have ever seen in my life came across his aged face. I mean, it was divine. It was celestial. It's like, that, that was beautiful. He just smiled. And there was such peace and joy in that smile. And he said, yes, it is. Yes, it is. By faith alone, my friend, you can be regarded as righteous right here, right now, in this moment, faith in Christ. No masses, no purgatory, no pilgrimages, no works of the law. You can take it all and put it over here because Jesus is worthy and worth more than all of it. And he will be our righteousness when we stand before God. I think about these things. My children, am I leading my children astray? Am I leading my church astray? And I am staking my eternity on the study of God's word and church, the orthodox view of history, the gospel in history. I'm staking it all right here. I'm saying this is the truth of the gospel. If you have not been baptized, please let me know. You should be. Jesus went to the cross for us. Let us not be ashamed of him and what he has done for us. So we'll be baptizing next Sunday at Bristol Road. Let me know if you would like to participate. Let's pray together and let's worship with our tithes and offerings. Holy Father, we thank you today for such good news as we read in both Old and New Testaments. We thank you today and we glorify your name for the gospel. And that we are saved by Christ alone and faith alone and grace alone. May you be glorified forever. Let's stand as we celebrate that truth, that word.